days that he would work hard and play hard. He got to the point where he had cars in abundance, whatever car he wanted. He had holidays wherever he wanted to holiday. And he had apartments with all the gadgets and all the stuff. And as he sat with his champagne in one hand and his Cuban cigar in the other, there was a, a slight epiphany moment when he asked the question, what next? Let me take you to another scenario of a teenager, a young girl who was raised in a dysfunctional family. It wasn't her fault, but her father left when she was a little baby. And her mum was left alone with her and her brother. And her mum worked all hours. God gave her to pay the bills. But it soon became clear that this girl, this teenager girl, was just felt disconnected with the world and disconnected with the family and in particular disconnected with her mum. Her mum had enough issues of her own, never mind the young girls. And the school teachers commented on that this girl had her head in the clouds. She didn't know how to communicate with anybody other than her friends. And she was finding herself retreating more and more to the internet and to TV and to magazines. And all of these mediums were telling her to get a boyfriend, to get a relationship, because this would solve her hopelessness, her boredom and her frustration. She got involved with friends. She was only 13, but she got involved with friends who had older friends. And these older friends were boys. And these boys had cars. And they introduced her to drink and to drugs and to sleeping around. And as she lay in bed with this young guy, she asked herself the question, where do I go from here? Let me paint the third scenario to you. There's a lady... She's only in her 20s, but because of the hurt of the past, she decided to play it safe. And the first guy that came along, she married. But the marriage was cold and functional. There was no life, there was no joy. She soon found out that she was pregnant. And again, she was another one who really couldn't cope with herself, never mind a little boy. And all the way through the pregnancy, she was having difficulties. She felt very depressed. She had, the, she had the little boy. She felt even more depressed. There was no connection with this little boy. And she was struggling. Because of this, the husband, he couldn't cope with any of this. So he decided to just work and work and work more over time, more over time. To try and get out of the house. She, she, this lady couldn't cope with her husband, she couldn't cope with her son, and she couldn't cope with her life. As she woke up one morning, as the little boy was laying in his cot, she just sat up and asked herself the question, what am I doing here? Guys, can I ask us, or can I make a statement these three stories have been played out millions and millions of times. This might be your story or something like it. And each and every one of these people were trying to find something, but they weren't able to clearly articulate or understand what they were even looking for. And the conclusion was they were looking in the wrong places to find meaning for their lives. That might be you here today. You see, 
when it talks about Christ being risen from the grave, and I will come on to that in a moment, Christ came to make us alive. If you want meaning for your life, then Christ can give you meaning for your life. Resurrection Sunday, which is what we are celebrating here this morning, and what a service already. What a service. If you are taking notes or you need to register a word in your mind, I want to make this statement. Resurrection Sunday is significant. It is significant. But let me first of all take you to Good Friday. Because there needed to be a Good Friday before there is the Resurrection Sunday. And I don't know whether you've ever come across anything like this. You've been unfortunate enough to have a letter like this. But many of you may have done. And if you haven't done, you've heard that people who've received letters. And they're called court letters or court notices. And on these court notices, it's usually that there are debts that need to be settled with companies. And the company have made a decision to take you to court to get their money back. And they go for judgment at the courts. I want to just let you into another little bit of personal life. That this court notice this morning that you're looking at is issued to me. I am Christian P. Thorpe. Christian Paul Thorpe. That is me. It has my birthday on there. It's not that I'm looking for a birthday cake or a birthday card. I'm just doing there because that's the first day of my life. And it's the 15th of October, 1971. Yes, I know it's hard to believe I am 39. I know I don't look a day over 19, Josh. But, uh, and here we are today. We have the 24th of April. Interestingly, it's Josh's birthday. So lads, bumps at the end, okay? But what is the notice there for? Well, it's for every sin. I'm not sure that I've spelt committed right. I mean, is it two T's or two T's? I did have a feeling it was two T's. I'm sorry for all you school teachers, Kate and Paul and other people. Sins committed. I wonder if you want to put your name in there. Because every one of us have a court notice registered against us. And it's no good going to the judge and pleading ignorance. It's no good standing before the judge and saying, well, I didn't mean it. It's no good going before the judge and saying, I'll pay whatever I need to pay because unfortunately the judgment has already taken place. And stamped upon that court notice is the word guilty. Why do we need Good Friday? You all wondered why, where I was going with this. Good Friday is all about this. Because you and me, we're guilty. I'm sorry if you don't like that phrase, but that's the reality. Every one of us, I don't say it smugly, I am guilty. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Every one of us deserved to be punished. We were guilty. And the judgment that the judge has decided over my life is death. But I want to just say what happened with Good Friday, because thanks be to God, it didn't just stop there, because there was a a, a knight in shining armor who walked into that courtroom. His name is Jesus. He walked into that courtroom and he said, where death used to have hold over people's sin, 
then what I'm going to do, I'm going to break the power of death. And I'm going to do that by living a perfect life. I'm going to do it by taking the sins of the whole world upon my shoulder. And the only way that I can pay the price is dying for each and every person. And Good Friday is all about this. Where he takes the court notice... And he scrolls through the notice with his blood and through the cross. You see, Christ came to cancel out our sins. Good Friday. But he didn't just stop there. Because the Bible records in Luke chapter 24 and verse 6, he is not here. He has what? He has risen. The significance of this Easter is that we remember Good Friday because every one of us were guilty, but Jesus Christ paid the price and went through our notice and paid the price once and for all. But then there was Resurrection Sunday where we broke through the grave, where we conquered the grave and we celebrate not only his death, but also his resurrection. The chains of death have been broken. Earning our way to God has been broken. The law has been broken over our lives. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says that we have come into a new and living way. You see, Christ came to cancel our sins, but also Christ came to give us life. This is where I come to about being alive, because God wants us to be alive. I don't know who was. Was it John Travolta and the Bee Gees? Ah, 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 ah. Staying alive. Staying alive. Was that li- Ha, ha, ha. High enough. Yeah, okay. You want Barry Gibb who coined the phrase staying alive or being alive. It's through the scriptures. Christ came into the world, not just to cancel out our sins, but he came to give us life, and life in all of its fullness, John chapter 10, verse 10 says. What does this life look like? Well, it means real life, it means vigor, it means adventure, it means action. Anybody want this kind of life? We're not just getting by. Christ came to give us life, and life in all of its fullness. You may say, well, how do I get that kind of life? Because those scenarios you painted, Christian, were me. Well, I wanna, I've got two words for you. Start today. Somebody once said, nobody can go back and start a new beginning. But anybody can start today and make a new ending. You can start today. Forget what's gone in the past. It's gone. But determine today that I'm going to affect my ending. I'm going to start today and I'm going to have a new ending. Because at the moment, the ending is written over many of your lives. You know where your end is going to be. But Christ came to deliver you from that kind of ending and bring you into an ending of all endings. I want you to start today by receiving the message. This is good news message. Why do you look so glum? Why do you look so downcast? He's not here. He's risen from the grave. He's all victorious. 
This is great news. This is good news. Start today by receiving the message. Start today by throwing aside doubt. There was a man in the Bible who was around Jesus' life. And his name was Thomas. What was he renowned for? Doubting. Are there any doubting Thomases here today? You're here today and you're thinking, well, that's great. This man's getting really pumped up. He's really getting a sweat on. He's really believing it, but I don't believe it. I'm full of doubt. It's interesting in Luke 24, if you've got the pages there, I'll just read them very quickly to you. Because Jesus then reveals himself to some of the disciples in Luke in chapter 24. He came to them and said, peace be with you, verse 36. And they were startled and frightened. They were thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do you doubt? Why does doubt rise in your minds? You might be here today thinking, well, I'm full of doubt about this message. I'm not quite sure about this. Well, these people were like that as well. They were just full of doubt. And then Jesus said, look at my hands and my feet. It is I, it is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. Jesus revealed himself to people personally. I believe at this moment, my faith level is sufficient to know that God can speak to you today. God is speaking to some hearts today. And where there was doubt about the resurrection story, and where there was doubt about Jesus, and you might be an older person, an older gentleman, an older lady, or have asked a lot of questions and searched a lot of religions, But today something's happening in your heart because you're saying, I'm going from doubt into believing. I want you to know that he has risen from the grave. And what I'm telling you today is true. I'm not here as a salesman. I'm not here lying. It's true. He lives within my heart. My savior, he lives. You can start today by putting your trust in Jesus. Very quickly as we close. Not only does he cancel our sins, I've encouraged you to start today. And as we start and put our trust in Jesus Christ, there are two things I believe. There are more than two things, but two that I want to just mention this morning. That Jesus grants to us as we are made alive in him. The first thing is this, is peace. I particularly honed in on this one because I think it's something that most people lack in their lives. I used some statistics recently that 42% of the UK population have said sometimes, or they often do feel lonely. Loneliness is a terrible thing. Loneliness is a terrible thing. I've spoken to people who feel incredibly lonely. And it's not just the elderly who feel lonely. There's a lot of young people who feel incredibly lonely. And in that loneliness, there's just no sense of satisfaction. And there is no peace. They just can't settle. And yet one of the things that Christ came, when he cancelled out our sins, he said, peace be with you. My peace I give to you today. There's an offer of peace to your heart. He he describes himself as the prince of peace. What does this mean, Christian? Does this mean that I'm never going to have any trouble? Well, I'm sorry if that's what you think. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. And I think it's best summed up in a guy by the name of Craig Rochelle who said this, Jesus is no security 
against life's storms, but he is perfect security in him. You see, we all face storms, we all face struggles, but he is an anchor that we can trust in. Some people try and find peace by avoiding life. I want to say you cannot find peace by avoiding life. People become hermits. People become, you know, hidden away in their houses. People become, go to monasteries and convents because they feel that they'll find serenity and peace. You can't find peace by avoiding life. God wants to grant us peace in the midst of life. Anybody with me this morning? Philippians in chapter 4 verse 9 says, And the God of peace will be with you. He will make you alive by granting you peace. Resurrection Sunday for me is, my life, I don't know what it's going to roll out at, even this afternoon. Never mind the year ahead. But in the midst of the highs and the lows, in the midst of the good and the bad, I have an anchor And his name is Jesus. And he anchors my soul and he grants me peace. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. The second thing, and last thing, that if we want to be alive, and Resurrection Sunday, and Jesus cancelling our sins and granting us life, he gives us purpose. What a fantastic service that we enjoyed on Good Friday. Phil led us so well in uh, the theme of being surrendered, be surrendered. And he mentioned about surrendering and living a life of purpose. So I don't want to add to that because I don't feel I could. But I do feel it's the other thing that most people lack in their lives is a real sense of purpose. You get up in the morning... You think to yourself, well, what is this all about? I was, I don't don't think, I'm not betraying any confidence. Steve and I had lunch. Steve Holmes and I had lunch, and he was just talking about just a sense of purpose. And I was really excited by some of the things he was saying. So we're talking about getting up in the morning and living with a real sense of purpose. And we were both talking about if all that we had around our lives was just this. Well, it's just this. And some of you are striving for the just this. And once you get it, have you got purpose? The answer is no. There's no sense of purpose. God wants to make us fully alive by giving us a great sense of purpose. And that is different for each and every one of us. Psalm 138 verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. For me, Phil. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me in my life. He will give me a sense of direction and aim. He will give me a clear sense of purpose. One of the most amazing verses in the Old Testament is Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. If you're taking notes and you don't know it, you must write it down and read it. Because there God uh, uh, states, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He comes and helps us to understand our lives and make sense of our lives. That includes the life that we have previously lived. What I'm amazed with God is he wastes nothing. You might feel like you've wasted 20, 30, 40 years of your life. 
what I'm amazed by God is he takes all of our lives, even though it's been bad in the past, and he uses it for his glory. I've just been reminded, we've had two guest visitors this year, we've had more than two, come through the life of the church. I was thinking about Doug and Pat Collins. Can you remember his story, the footballer? And he made a statement about how he wanted to be a, he wanted these pair of football boots, he got them. He wanted to be a professional footballer, he got it. He wanted to make as much money as he could quickly, he did it. And he had a little boy by, by the name of Danny, and at 12 year olds he was involved in a, in a bike accident, and he was killed tragically. You may say, well that's a terrible past, but Doug's story was completely different, because that was the turnaround in his life. And actually, there was a sense of purpose that came out of this death. You may say, that's a bit raw. What, 12 years? No, this little boy knew Jesus. They had the security that this little boy knew Jesus, and Doug and Pat didn't. And as a result of that, the following day, they gave their life to Jesus Christ. And their lives completely changed. And he took a hold of that past and used it for his glory. And they planted a church, and they've been involved in in 10 missions and involved in people's lives. He wastes nothing. Can you remember the visit of those beautiful guys who were just at the front? I mean, some of them, you won't mess with them unless you hang. I mean, you just won't mess with them. And you remember that Scottish guy, this is on podcast, so if he happens to hear it, I am saying it, that most of us were struggling to just understand. And he was a bit raw, wasn't he, and a bit in your face. His life, his past life, was one of abuse, Addiction, homelessness, despair, dismay. His life becoming further and further down. But I want to say God took a hold of that life and has used that past to take him to where he is now because he's now rescuing the same kind of men and women that he was once in. God never wastes anything. You may say, well, I've wasted years. God never wastes anything. How about you ministering to those kind of men and women? How about God sending you to those places where you once, once was? It's just amazing what God can do. He wants to give us his purpose. He wants to give us his peace. He wants us to be fully alive. I'm convinced the greatest tragedy is not the sins we commit but the life that we fail to live. God wants us to be fully alive. I want to show a media clip of a man who prays a prayer, and this man is now with Jesus. And uh, we will hear a prayer of a man who is fully alive, and then I'm going to come back and lead us in prayer before our final song. Thanks, Chris.
Eric just whispered, whispered to me he needed, needed to preach after that, if we would have put that on first. I did forget to say that that was actually a man who was praying a prayer. There were no notes. He just rattled this prayer off. And uh, I think a couple of weeks later, I think, I'm almost sure he passed away. I, saw, I heard this back in the late 90s, so it's been some time. But there was a man who knew Jesus. I love the line, I wish I could describe him to you. <laughs> I wonder if you know him. I wonder if you know him. You might not know him like that. But you can know him this morning as the one who will cancel your sins. Let's bow our heads. Friends, 